0: All right, all right. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? I don't know how that sounded in Maple Grove, Elk River, Lakeville, but in Spring Lake Park, he was a little timid. How many of you love Jesus today? Uh, yes, better shout louder for Jesus than you do the Vikings today. Come on, somebody. Hey, uh, it's great to be back together again. Hey, before I get into the message today, Jody and I have some news to share with you. We've got a brand new podcast coming out called The Shepherd-Hearted Leader. Yeah, we are so excited about this. This is something that the Lord dropped in our hearts, and I really feel like um, that this is something for this hour, that we can equip other people to have shepherd-hearted leaders. I pick Nate's brain. I'm more of the interviewer, and so I ask him some tough questions, and I don't let him off the hook. And so we just want you to... To download these podcasts, you can follow us on Shepherd-Hearted Leader, so subscribe on YouTube, and then tomorrow it will be available Audible on all the platforms, audio platforms. And you can also scan the QR code in front of you, and uh, they'll get you to the YouTube part that goes live today. One of the things that I just would encourage you on is, if how many are following Jesus? You want to be like him? How many know Jesus is a leader? So that means if you're going to follow Jesus, guess what you're going to become? A leader, a leader in your home, a leader in your business world, a leader in your friendships. And Jesus has a shepherd heart. He calls himself the good shepherd. So we want you to learn how to do that. It's one of the great values I have as a pastor. I want shepherd-hearted leaders, not just leaders, but shepherd-hearted leaders. So we talk about how you do that. If you could, and you're going to look into it, you could subscribe today or tomorrow. That would be great because that helps with the algorithms so other people can find out about it. I'm super excited. about Thanks, Jody, for helping me with that. She does give me some tough, tough questions. Yeah, give it up for Jody. Appreciate that. Uh, well, I'm going to go right into week number four of In Tune today. Uh, we've been talking about praise and worship. We've been talking about the value of a heart connection to God. Talking about how our heart needs to be in tune with the rhythm and the sounds of heaven connected to that and the battles that we face along the way. How do we get there? How can our heart connect to God? And the way I'd like to begin today is a, something that happened with me uh, earlier on in my life. Many of you may know that uh, I have a younger brother who's two and a half years, or six years younger than me, sorry, and my sister's two and a half years younger than me. And uh, so I'm the oldest, and in our family life, we learned a lot from our mom and dad. Now my mom and dad loved Jesus, great disciple makers and all that, but my dad will say that his kids are his greatest disciples. Out of all the people he's pastored and led, his kids are. And some of that comes from the experiences that we had that weren't easy, tough experiences. When we were younger, I was in elementary school and my brother was in uh, a daycare he, uh, uh, there was an accident where he was in one of those uh, walker things that move around, and uh, the gate was open to the stairs, and he went down the stairs, tumbled downstairs, had a head trauma, went to the hospital by ambulance, and that head trauma lingered on and on for years as he developed epilepsy. Epilepsy. He would have small uh, seizures where they were absent seizures where his hands would tremble a little bit and he would get a blank stare on his face. While he had that blank stare, he was not aware of what was going on around him. It was as if he was unconscious. And my parents taught us something as a family that we would do every single time that David would have one of those seizures. He would have dozens of them a day sometimes, and they would tell us to say immediately when he would come back aware, praise the Lord, David, praise the Lord. And we would say, praise the Lord, David, praise the Lord. And then he would respond with, praise the Lord. What my mom and dad were teaching us is that there was never going to be a moment that anybody else would get the glory but God. You know, it was a traumatic series of many years that we walk through this but every time we would face a painful moment again instead of going into a cycle of dread and here we go again and Why me? And why is this happening? It was a moment that we chose to praise the Lord. And you and I can learn to do the same thing. Even in the most difficult of experiences, we can learn to praise the Lord. No matter what happens in that moment of sudden change, in that moment of alarming activity, in that moment of difficulty, and in the moment of high moments where we feel great and we're on top of the world, we can say praise the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? Now, the cool thing is years later, my brother got healed of epilepsy. Hallelujah. That's one of the reasons that I believe in the power of that. But I want to tell you today that the principle of praising the Lord is so vital to me that if I have one thing that, that I practice in my story that I want you to have, it's that practice of learning the power of my own personal praise and the power of your personal praise. In a moment of setback, we could immediately look to God for what could happen next. I want you to hear me today. When you learn to praise the Lord in everything, there is a connection that will bring your soul in tune with God. There's a power to praise, a security to praise. And when we realize the power of that praise, it it can become the one thing we do no matter what. The title of our message today is this. The way through is praise. Say that with me. The way through is praise. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 148. Psalm 148. We're going to start with verse Number one, I'm gonna be in Psalm 148 and 49 today quite a bit. Psalm 148, starting with verse one. says this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him from the skies, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all the armies of heaven, praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you twinkling stars, Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command, and they came into being. Now, it's interesting in here, it talks about the stars. It talks about the heavens and the fantastic things that are out there, outside of our reach. Even those things praise the Lord. You know, when we go and to see majestic uh, natural sights. I've been to the grand Canyon before and, and saw the vast beauty of the grand Canyon or, or I've looked up at the sky at night to see all the stars or stood on the shore of the ocean or looked up at mountains. I can tell you this, God did something good, but even the created things are made to praise the Lord. Even the inanimate objects, the mountains, the stars, those things that don't have a personality, praise the Lord. And then the psalmist says, not only do they out there praise the Lord, but every creative thing is meant to praise the Lord. There is something about the relationship between creator and creation. When we learn that God made it all, and he is our creator, and we are meant to connect to him, and we do praise him, something comes together. That's the in tune of the soul. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Can I get an amen to that, huh? In other words, we're meant to give him the glory, to God be all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. That's a principle of creation, not just a principle of church, a principle of humanity that we are created to praise him. Now, if we could teach every person that the elemental beginning point of praise is recognizing who God is, man, it can change everything. I think we should ch- train the next generation, train kids to recognize God made you and you are special. Even if there's all kinds of crazy stuff going around, your image comes from him. You are made in the image of God, you, you are significant. He's got his breath in you. There is something powerful about an individual connecting to God. One of the things I used to do when I was youth pastor that I was going to do today, And that is, I'm going to teach a song to you that we can teach to the next generation, to kids, to little toddlers and elementary kids. And and we can do this for middle schoolers and high schoolers and young adults. And we can do it for 90-year-old teenagers. Come on, somebody. We all can do this. So I'm going to teach you this song, but you got to stand up. On all our locations, I want you to stand up with me today. Wait a second. I'm just supposed to listen to the word today. No, you're going to practice what I preach. All right? And the song has motions. So you're going to do the motions with me. And it goes like this. It goes, God made the big round sun. God made the tall, tall trees. God made the birds that fly. And God made me. Okay, here we go. God made the big round sun. God made the tall, tall trees. God made the birds that fly. And God made me. Here we go. God made the big round sun. Come Everybody, God made the tall, tall trees. God made the birds that fly and God made me. Now, this is cool, yeah. Now, everybody turn around and face the back wall. I want you to see the people you don't see every Sunday right <laughs> behind you. Here we go. God made the big round sun. God made the tall, tall trees. God made the birds that fly. And God made me. Give yourselves a hand before you sit down. (laughs) Oh. I had a few holdouts that are like, I'm not doing this. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, right? <laughs> to praise describes the act of praising God through prayer, instruments, and singing. It's an expression. It can be literary praise. But it's to give it back. It's to express it. It's not to hold it in. In Psalm 150, it says, Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some versions say, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But there's something about the breathing not just being for ourselves, but the breath going back to God. Words you'll see repeatedly in the scripture, words like thanks and praise. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his so even in the entrance of connection to God, to being in tune with God, we have to have the ability to be thankful, but we also need to go in with praise, go in declaring who he is. The, the Hebrew halal is to praise. Hallelujah is to praise Yahweh. To say hallelujah is a praise to God. To praise is to tune your heart, to update your software, to get back to your creator. Who, wherever you've been attitude-wise, how many know sometimes we have a bad attitude? Now, I don't want you to have a show of hands for who the person next to you has had a bad attitude. <laughs> but when we hit those moments where we are in a bad attitude, we can have an attitude check. And when we say attitude check... The response is, praise the Lord. Hit the person next to you and say, attitude check. Praise the Lord. Now, I give you permission later on today, while you're driving, somebody has not made you happy, and you sense an attitude coming, you just say, attitude check. Praise the Lord. You can't praise God and complain at the same time. Come on, somebody. (laughs) We can praise the Lord any time of day in any situation, not just in church. Psalm 113, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It's not dependent on circumstances or feelings. We praise him all day long. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him when the sun goes down. How many of you, that was your first time ever hearing that song before? You're like... Other people knew that song. I didn't know You can check it out later somewhere. Or re-listen to the message tomorrow. But here's the point. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday, day. Praise him when the sun goes down. Anywhere you go, not just in church, you can praise the Lord. And you don't need a soundtrack to do it. You don't need music to praise God. You can praise God anywhere. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. For the people of Israel, praise was both public and private. Publicly, everyone was instructed to praise. In Psalm 149, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. Do you know that when we gather together, we're to sing? Now, not every time people gather is there a song, but... Pretty much any time Emmanuel people get together, there's a song. And we are to sing in the company of the faithful. We're to let it out. We're to sing. You're like, but I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I'm not on care. It doesn't matter. Just sing. It doesn't sing. You have to be perfect. You can just sing. You let that out. Let it happen. You're not to be a spectator watching it happen on a platform. You're meant to be one that is participating. Your voice matters. And it's not quiet all the time. In Psalm 149, verse 3, it says, praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. Now, dancing, that, that might be a little bit of stretch for some of us, right? But we didn't do that growing up. We didn't do that in my faith tradition or whatever. You might have a backdrop where that, or you might have a backdrop where dancing is sin. Not dancing like this before Jesus. It's actually a part of it. And then there's noise. There's, there's music. There's tambourines. There's clapping. There's, there's volume to that when we're in the company of the other faithful people. So don't be afraid of the noise of it. Now, they didn't have sound systems in the Old Testament. They just had themselves. Sometimes we let the sound system bring the volume up, and maybe we need to bring the volume down and bring our voices up. Maybe we need to be able to allow that. Now, I'm not saying that so you can complain about the volume in our church. We'll give you earplugs if you can't handle how loud I am. Come on, somebody. But I just am saying this. Let it out. Let there be that expression of whatever praise is. So it's public, but it's also private. Private, in Psalm 149, verse 5, it says, Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie lie on their beds. Bedtime is quiet time, isn't it? It's nighttime. It's alone time. There's nobody else around. That's, That's the time that we are to praise. Did you know you can praise God when you put your head on a pillow at night? You don't need to just let all the thoughts hit you from the day and the worry about tomorrow and pick up your phone and scroll, hoping that somehow that's going to empty your brain of of energy and that you'll sleep better. No, no, no. Put the phone down, baby. Why don't you just begin to praise God? Lord, I just declare at the end of this day, I've done everything I can do. This is your day. Now I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to give you my nighttime. Then you're the God of my nighttime, and there's no room in there for the devil to get into my dream world. This is, this is your space. I'm giving you this space, and give God praise even in private. This is the point. You don't just praise God when you're with people. You can praise God anywhere you go, and by yourself, that's publicly and privately. But praise is also a journey. It's a journey. It's a process of connection to God. Psalm 24, I want you to turn there with me. I'm going to end my message today out of Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, there's a a passage that we're going to walk right through. But to set it up, I want you to imagine with me this fact they're going up to Zion, to Mount Zion, it says in the, the text. And I never really understood the full context of that until earlier this year. I went with a group of people to Israel from Emmanuel. We went and we got to see the, the land of Israel. And, and in Israel, um, it was fascinating. If you ever get a chance to go, and uh, every year we're going to try to get opportunities for kingdom builder um, experience trips to go to Israel, and there'll be opportunities to do that down the road. But while we were in the land, you got to see the topography where there's, very, there's desert lands and low, in fact, the lowest place on the planet is the Dead Sea. And uh, and the Dead Sea, and it's fantastic. Everywhere we would go, we'd see um, Bible stories come to life, and we'd see the, the Sea of Galilee, and we saw the, the land around Israel. But then on our end of our trip, we actually had to go to Jerusalem. And to go to Jerusalem, you had to go up, 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 up into the mountains. And Mount Zion is up in the mountains. And so... We had to literally go up, and it was for us, it was a day's journey to get there. We had roads now. We have the ability to get there, and, and there's rifts that you go around the mountains, and you get up to go into Jerusalem. But for Israel, they had more of a, a journey to that. So if you live somewhere in Israel, and you wanted to go on a pilgrimage, you would pack your family up, and you'd go on a several-day journey to go up to Mount Zion, And you would work and you would go that way. In fact, there were songs that were sung in the communities of people that would go up to Mount Zion. They would sing songs of pilgrimage. There were also specific songs that were called Psalms of Ascent. I think the Psalms of Ascent were Psalm 120 to 134, if you ever wanted to look at those. Those were songs that they would sing on their way up to Mount Zion. The point of this is that that it was a journey journey. It wasn't just an event to sing a praise. It was bringing every part of life into your journey as you praised. Praising when things are going well and praising when there was danger nearby. Learning to praise in in every season. Now, many people believe that David wrote Psalm 24 as a call and a response for worshipers as they approached the mountain. Like a choir director shouting something out and the choir responding Some would ask a question and the choir would respond to that question. So let's look at Psalm 24. This is the Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may go on that journey, in other words. Who may stand in his holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is This king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he? This king of glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Now, by the way, the language of this is some believe that they would be bringing the Ark of the Covenant up. And so there was some of that. The king, the presence of God is coming. But for those that were on the pilgrimage, they were coming to meet with God as well. And they wanted to meet with him. In verse 1 and 2, you see that God is in charge. Declare who God is. If you're going to praise, you're going to have to declare who he is. How many know God is different than everything else in the world? He's not just like you, and he's not just like me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He is fantastic. He's the one that's above the law. He's the one that's under the law. He's the one that's made science. And he understands how all things are put together. There's nobody like it. We've got to declare who God is if we're going to praise him. And literally everything is underneath his authority, his ownership. You might think you own whatever it is that you have, but you are just a tenant. He owns it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one that is in charge of the whole earth. He takes kings up and he sets them down. He moves people into places where he wants them to be. There's nobody like him. That's how the singers begin with a declaration about who he is in Psalm 24. In verse 3, though, we see the question that comes up. The singers would respond to this question. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand In his holy place. Who gets to meet with him? If he's so amazing, who gets to spend time with God? Who gets to have presence with him? Who even gets to go on the journey up the mountain and then stand there? Listen, nobody could stand there without Jesus. One of the little parenthetical thought here, thinking about this particular text in the Old Testament Who can actually get there? The people who are bought with the blood of Jesus. We have access through Jesus. We have been called his sons and his daughters. We are children of God, and he's given us an invitation to meet with him. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen? And there's there's an awareness. Who gets to stand there? The one that comes under Jesus. The one that follows him. And there are qualifications for praisers. Qualifications for praisers. Look at verse four. It says, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. The one who has clean hands. Clean hands. Our hands are the symbol of work. When we leave this place and we go through a week, we do things either on the keyboard or with our hands. We make work. That's how we pay for things. That's how we receive finances. What we do is with our hands. It's also a symbol of, of faith and honor. To lift a hand is to pledge the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Clean hands are hands not only kept clean, but washed. And the purest hands have on these stains that nothing but the blood of Jesus can cleanse. I want you to consider this that your hands go out of here, out of church, leave throughout the week. And you, you do a lot of things with those hands. Sometimes you need to get your hands washed. Right? How many of you, I, won't, I was gonna ask how many of you wash your hands before you eat, but I don't want anybody to see who does it. Raise their hands, right? There's a, there's a value to that, to, to clean hands. When it comes to worship, we need to consider our whole life, what we've been through. We have to learn to, to to make sure that we're 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 cleaning off. You know, we live in an unclean world. We need to make sure that unclean world doesn't make its way into our hearts. And so there's an opportunity for us to, to confess to God, to come near to God and ask him to give us a clean, clean heart. James 4:8. Come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The same hands we use to live with, we use to worship. So if you're gonna clap those hands, if you're gonna lift those hands, then maybe we need to clean those hands. And this is metaphorical, of course, not just physically washing your hands. It comes through confession. Confession, maybe we need to update our confessions. Not just... Say, I sinned when I get saved, but turn to Jesus when I need forgiveness throughout the week. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we need to update our confessions and go, Lord, forgive me for the things that I've walked through this week. I need clean hands because I'm about to praise you. I'm going to give you my highest praise. And by the way, that includes where we go with our thumbs On the phone. That includes when we pick up the phone in our hands and we gossip. Come on. It got quiet really quick. And where we go on the internet. What we're participating in. Making sure that we confess and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. I want clean hands. Can I get an amen to that? But it also says, secondly, a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. This is an inward holiness where motives and feelings, Lord, go into that space. You don't want to follow your heart or your feelings. You want your your heart following God. So you need to make sure that you're not following your feelings. Parents, we need to help our children know how to guard their hearts so that they unwillingly or unknowingly aren't beginning to follow something else. Psalm 51, what does David say? Create in me a pure heart. Some versions say a clean heart. A pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe we just need to pause and say, Lord, clean my heart up. I want a pure heart. And you can't have power in your life without purity. You want the power to overcome sin? You got to have your heart purified. You want to have the power to overcome darkness? you got to have your heart purified. Qualifications for praisers. The first one was clean hands. The second one was pure heart. Third, the psalmist says, we need to trust no one but God as our source. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. An idol is anything that we put our trust in. Any person that has too much influence in our lives. Any activity that becomes more important than serving God. And priority matters. Is there anything in your life that if God asked you to give it up, you would tell God no? Several years ago, when I was the youth pastor um, at Emmanuel, our founding pastor, Mark Daniels would get up and he would preach. And he saw something happening in America. He saw it happening with the church. But he would preach hard against it on Sunday mornings. And he would talk about how the new American idol for our generation was sports. And you guys know how much I like sports, right? So I'd be like, Pastor, do you have to preach on this every single week? (laughs) But what he was observing was a change where families and individuals are beginning to follow the schedules that sports told them instead of following God. And in those days... They didn't have youth sports on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Now there is nothing sacred. And whole families give their money and their time and they just follow whatever the God of sports tells them to do. Now this is a challenge for us as families and parents. How do you raise your kids in the middle of this? All I know is this, make sure that your heart is pure and that your soul is not lifted up to an idol. If you want your praise, your connection, your kids stay connected to God, then fight, fight for that connection. And you can be creative about it, by the way. I'm not saying end all sports, although there are some in my family that would love for me to end all watching a football at any time in the week. But I remember when we were raising our kids and, and, and they were in traveling basketball and a tournament was in another city and it was on Sunday morning. What do you do? We found a church close by, and we would go to that church in between games. But my kids are like, but I've got my uniform on. That doesn't matter. You go to church. It's Sunday. And I think that there's something about effort that we have to make to help the next generation because they're growing up, and the greatest God in their life isn't necessarily the God they see in church. It's whatever you place as priority in your life. That's what the children learn. So we got to find a way to serve God and him only. Amen. Man, it just got so quiet in church today. I don't know how that happened. Now, listen, there are qualifications for praisers, but I also want to say this. There's a reward for praisers. If you're going to praise, there's a reward. I want our worship team to come up on each of our locations now because we're about to transition into worshiping him. It says in verse 5, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. There's a blessing. Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Did you know that when you begin to praise God, you're going to see God? That you're going to see him and he'll be with you? He said, Not only blessing, but also vindication from God their Savior. On the journey, they don't always know the outcome and people might have accusations against them and things might not seem to be going right. But in the end, we will be vindicated. We will see everything leveled out and settled. That's the promise for those who will praise. He understands it all. Remember I talked about my my brother's story and and our family. In the middle of the moment, we said, praise the Lord, even though we didn't have the answer yet that we were looking for. Because nobody else is going to get the glory and we believe that in the end, Jesus is going to work it out. We're trusting him for healing now, but we're going to praise him all the way through it. We have an invitation for God's entrance as a blessing. Because the very next few verses... That we're gonna read out loud together are important because then we can see God, the King of glory, come in. But before we do that, I want you to stand up in each of our locations. You better be get ready to get your praise on. Shake off the lethargy. Get ready to lift your heart, your soul, your hands before God. Some of us are gonna to need to, to ask the Lord to just purify and cleanse us. And how many you know? You don't have to weep, mourn, and wail. You just say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. I need your life, I need your forgiveness in my life, and he'll give it to you. But you can't have that kind of forgiveness until you've called him your Lord and Savior. And if you're today, you're away from God, and you need to get right with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came to the earth, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross for your sins and my sins, and then he rose from the dead. And anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you need to be born again, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, If you need a new beginning in your life, then you can know Jesus today. So before we go on and we begin to praise and we read the rest of Psalm 24, I want you to just close your eyes right where you're at. If you're in church today and you are like, Pastor Nate, I'm away from God and I need to get my life right. Or I've never given my life to Jesus. And this is your moment and you need to turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive forgive you of your sins and to make you brand new. You can trust him right now. And if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. Pastor Nate, I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to come back to him. Yes, 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 yes. Everyone under the sound of my voice, you raise your hand or you wanted to or you're joining online and you're clicking the yes and your hand's up online. I want you to know you can know Jesus right now. And I want to lead you in a prayer. You can just repeat this prayer out loud after me. And uh, I just believe that God's going to hear your prayer. And everybody else, you can join right in with those that have raised their hands. Just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth You died on the cross for my sin. And then you rose from the dead. And you're alive. Today, I I surrender to you. I ask you to take over my life. Please forgive me of my sin. And make me new. I'm yours. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.